Episode 10 of Stats on Matter is finally here, and episode 11 is right around the corner. This week, we're going to focus on sports that are coming back in full swing. NHL, Stanley Cup playoffs coming back, basketball in the bubble, Major League Baseball, of course, the most dramatic season ever just continues. And then we got a second episode coming for you where we look at the outlook for this season's college football. Because I got to tell you, Tim, they had a troubling case of the Mondays on Tuesday this week. Uh, Of course, we're going to do our favorite segment of all time what's in my cup this week it's a sour ale from birmingham alabama and a stout from north haven connecticut thank you to all the listeners continue to listen subscribe rate us share us and find stats on matter podcasts wherever you get your podcast apple spotify stitcher and pocket cast real quick i want to add on a quick apology for everybody who's been looking forward to the weekly episodes between the vacation and uh a tropical storm slash hurricane that ripped through connecticut things have been a little crazy the last couple weeks uh i actually had power i was without power for uh almost a week last week after the hurricane came through uh but we're looking to be back on track with regular releases and uh as a little tip to everybody we're going to go for a twofer every week now. So now, mm-hmm. twice as much Tim and Sam every single week. I just I got to ask a question, though, Tim. On your mm-hmm. 2020 bingo card, you have COVID mm-hmm. and you have the hurricane. What else do yep. you have? I need to know this, and I think the listeners need to know this so we can figure out sort of like – because 2020 is not over yet. There might be some other things you got to cross over, you know? God, uh, I really hope nothing. Uh, it's been a great year other than those two things. Um if anything else happens, send help, send beer, <laughs> send tortilla chips. So tortillas, I'm telling you, if you guys haven't, if you haven't got tortillas, chips, Tim, let me know about it. You got to get the one, the bag with the red band across the top. They're the best tortilla chips you're ever going to have. And also Tapa Chico water. Shout out. Was it Uzi? 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 How do you say that, Brian? <laughs> Uzi? Uts. 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 Yeah. I didn't know that you made those chips until uh, about a week ago. Um, we get a sponsorship from us for, for the Stats Center podcast. Yeah. That would be great. My wife and I put down bags of tortillas. So I don't know if you want to take that L, but uh, send us a couple boxes. Send us a couple boxes. Let's get it to the show. Let's go. Tim, stop me if you heard this before. Major League Baseball is probably going to shut down their season if teams don't start following the rules designed to keep them safe and prevent the spread of COVID-19. Um, the commissioner has already said that if players don't start adhering to more stringent uh, adaptation of the rules, like you know, wearing masks in the dugout, not spitting, not clapping hands, oh, I don't know, maybe not getting in bench-clearing brawls and being in each other's faces, then uh, maybe we could have a league this year. But it doesn't seem like that's going to be the thing. Um, obviously we had the, the Marlins break, you know, outbreak of COVID-19 at the beginning. And now we had the Phillies that just happened. And of course, if we're looking at how everything would happen in a league this year, the Astros hitting tour is probably going to be what's next. Uh, you know, that the Astros have been getting hit by a lot of errant pitches lately. Um, we had the dust up between the uh, Dodgers and the Astros a couple of weeks ago with Joe Kelly, but this past Sunday, it got a little crazy. Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 
Uh, apparently, not only are they fed up with getting hit, but they are also uh, terrible trash talkers. And instead of just insulting a player who got hit several times, they decided to go after his family, which started a bench-clearing brawl and ultimately ended up in a 20-game suspension for the coach which is 20 times more than any of the suspensions handed out to the Astros during the previous fight with, you know, Joe Kelly and those guys who served a six-game suspension. So maybe a little makeup call there. Don't know, but uh, it's definitely turning into a shit show of a season for the Astros. Um, I feel like the league might be sort of cutting them some slack knowing that they're going to get plunked a lot but uh it's just a disaster of a season for them and yeah. surprising enough it's really funny when you can't hit because you don't know what pitches are coming and if you wow. compare the statistics this year to last year not quite as good if you think stats don't matter in a regular season stats definitely don't matter in a 60 game season where your hitting coach is suspended for one third of the season let's think about mm -hmm. that for a second now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I think we could we could honestly believe that the Astros were always going to catch a lot of grief from the rest of the league. But I don't even think that even with this historic suspension of 20 games uh, and the player, the other player, uh, Loriano, he received five games. I don't, I don't think he's going to stop. I mean, what the Astros did probably changed the sport of baseball irrevocably. So like their need there, there, there has to be some come to Jesus moment. And unfortunately it doesn't matter how many times they get binned by pitches. It's mm -hmm. not going to, it's not going to change. Um, no. People are always going to take a look at their series win as having an asterisk next to it. And now everyone's saying, oh, yeah, not so easy when you don't know the pitch coming, huh? But, like, at the same time, MLB pitchers are, like, really good, right? You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're yeah. very, very good. So you have to take but were, that. But they were good little. last season also. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm they not They didn't just not get saying, good in the offseason. They've sure, been yeah, good. I'm not, I'm not saying that they <laughs> – they, they just magically got terrible. You know what I mean? Like you yes. would think that if you're going to cheat and learn how to count pitches, you'd probably learn how to actually hit. I mean, that's what I think the batting practice is for. I could be wrong, but um, they're going to continue to stay in these dust-ups. Um, and you have to wonder from a mental standpoint, how much longer the team can sort of endure that, right? They were getting hit by pitches. And now mm -hmm. we know that they have some kind of bad blood with the A's and then they're the ones hitting other teams with pitches. And then they're wondering why the benches are clearing no matter who they seem to be playing. Like, I get it. You, you know, you, we're 10 games down, something like that. And you're looking at another 50 games where you're possibly going to get hit by pitches over 30% yep. of the time. I don't think that's, that's something that the league could allow to happen. So maybe we see that, that sort of, you know, peter out a little bit, but man. I think I think it'll taper on its own. It'll get a little old halfway through the season. Um, plus, you know, for the teams who are plugging – batters and getting in these brawls they also don't want the suspensions because it is a shortened season um i mean it, it's tough for me as a former baseball player and a big fan of baseball to justify either side of it uh as far like i feel for the astros i mean you did cheat um it is what it is, but I'm also over the just plugging them every day. Like you said, it's not gonna, it's not gonna change anything at all. Uh, if nothing else, it's just gonna keep generating these suspensions, which maybe teams going into it are just sort of looking at this as a write-off season anyway, and they don't really care. So, hey, let's get our retribution. So, I guess the flip side of that coin is maybe for the Astros, this is for the better. So instead of a you know 120 games, we've got 60 games to endure this. Um, 
when going into the next season, you know, I'm sure it's not bygones and any of those players who go to any other teams are going to sort of be the black socks of our generation, but it's still, I, I mean, I'm, I'm over it. Just play ball now at this point, yeah. it's becoming more of a yeah, soap opera than anything else. I mean, is it, that wasn't bad enough. Uh, I don't know if you checked, but the Red Sox are in last place in the AL East. The Bronx Bombers are just moving on as if their their four losses aren't more than like a fly that's annoying them in their face. Um, it, it, I mean, the Orioles are seven and seven right now. Think about that, right? Like, it's crazy. Like, you, you have a shortened season and, and it's like the whole game just kind of goes up on its face. The Athletics are nine and one their last ten starts. The Mariners and the Angels they've had a couple games where I mean they're really just right behind the Astros. Really, when you think about it, in the West and the Angels have shown you when they want to get hot and going with their bats, they can do it. And the Mariners have, you know, they, they're coming along a bit as well. So, like, the Astros need to really pay attention because they're going to get hit a couple more times. They might let a couple games slip, and the next thing you know, they might just tumble all the way down. Now, Red Sox, if you're listening, I really kind of need you guys to, like, step it up for, like, the next, I don't know, 40 games. Like, this is just maybe maybe this is your slump. I don't know. But, like, let's just, let's just pretend it's post-All-Star break, and let's just kind of get this going because – I mean, most of the teams in the league right now seem like they're stuck in second gear. And I get it's only half a month into the season, but ooh, we need to wake up. We need some better baseball. I'm not I'm not looking uh, for any sort of major turnaround for the Red Sox. Their pitching for the last 10 years has been their biggest weak point. Um, we've always had a couple marquee players at the start of the rotation, and the back end has always been questionable, and then the bullpen has always been hit or miss for the most part. This season, it's not any better. Like I'm not heartbroken over Price leaving. Um, seems like a, a decent enough guy. I just didn't think he was a good fit here, and he didn't perform. Uh, Chris Sale hasn't been living quite up to the expectations of the contract we signed him to. So that leaves, uh, you know, the remainders. You have Eduardo Rodriguez, who's currently out for the remainder of the season with COVID complications for his heart. You know, hope he gets better. Um, but in general, there's literally nothing there to really carry this team. Like Joe Kelly's gone. Like, it's it's just the team itself is sort of a shell of what it was last year with Mookie moving on. Uh our coach got fired leading up to the season. So there's a lot up in the air. I'm not looking for a lot out of the season. If I can see some improvement out of the bullpen going into next season. So for me, I've already written off this season is just sort of, it is what it is. It's not going to get played the full thing anyway, because players can't keep their shit together and stay inside. Um, so get what you can out of this. You had some extended time off. That's hurting some guys, but if we can see some solid outings by our starting rotation and see some, bullpen action where they're actually closing things down i think i'll be optimistic going into next season i know ben attendee's struggling a little bit if he can turn around great as long as the batting kind of keeps progressing in the right direction we had some great games at the start of it everyone's kind of stumbling a little bit now but we are only you know a few weeks into the season if halfway through this half season we're still in the same shape I'll be a little bit more concerned, but um, I mean, I already said it once. I'm here for some tough seasons. Let's let's get back to the roots where we're rooting for some 500 baseball, so we have something to pay attention to. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think I think that's crazy, and I think it's just a suspicious time, and that you're okay with it. But um, I think we can both agree that right now, the Red Sox are that Kermit the Frog meme, where he's like laying his arm against like the the window, and it's raining outside, and. Yes, we are wondering if Mookie messes, you know, misses us as much as 
obviously the Red Sox miss him. <laughs> but I mean, let's be honest. Like you have the Sox stumbling. We're about to get into some hockey. This is going to be a great segue because the Bruins stumbled terribly out of the gate. You somehow oh. managed to botch the number one seed because you half-assed the entire lead up until this uh, first round. Um, and then you couldn't even put Carolina away. It went into five overtimes and then got delayed until tomorrow, which is very odd to me. Like who, who you worried about the fans getting home on time. Yeah. Just, just finish it. Change the rules. Do a two on two. I don't even care, but you got the Bruins struggling a little bit. You got the Red Sox struggling a little bit. The Celtics are doing okay. Come on, Patriots. Come on, Patriots. Bring it down a little bit. Bring it down a little bit. And I'm ready for these seasons. Have been losing with the exception of, the Celtics, all, all the all the professional Boston teams are losing to Tampa teams right now. It's happening. So uh, I'm not saying in case you if you think the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl, they might just lose to the Tom Brady led Bucks, but that's going to happen. That, that's that's the thing. But anyways, we're, the battle for Lord. For no, you're not. <laughs> the battle for Lord Stanley's Cup begins today. Eastern Conference teams they're hubbed in Toronto, and the Western Conference teams are hubbed in Edmonton, which is also the site of the Conference Finals in the Stanley Cup. Canada said no, Blue Jays, you can't play baseball here but hockey we will take all of the hockey teams every single one of them come on up now a maximum of 52 personnel to include players coaches and staff travel per team okay now the nhl has conducted over 18,514 covid 19 tests none have tested positive okay now accordingly the bruins have put 18,514 shots on goal and won zero games to show for it so at least you know we're keeping in line with the zeros um that's that's astounding for a, a team of 52 people that's traveling and you already brought up how the Bruins lost all three of their round Robin seeding games. And I don't know if that was because they just thought, Hey, and keep our eye on the, the, the first round, but that is the kind of stuff you just don't, you don't want to see your team do right. Think about it. You're facing the, the number five seed. Basically the only thing you have on them is depth. They might have the momentum right now. And I don't think that's the, that's the, that, the team that you want to see in the first round of playoffs where the other team's looking to play spoiler. You can't just rely on, well, we think we have more, you know, defensive depth or we think our lines will be better. Like, yeah, you didn't even, you couldn't even do it for three games. So what makes me think you're going to do it in, in the best seven this round? I'm going to catch a little bit of flack on this on Facebook by two people. Uh, this will be the test to what, to see whether or not they actually listen to this podcast or not. Um, I've, Never been the biggest Tuca fan. I don't think he's as bad as what a lot of the diehard Bruins fans uh, make him out to be. I think he lives somewhere kind of in the middle. Like he has moments where he flashes a glove and he looks like an all-star. But he does tend to give up easy goals in inopportune times. Um, th- I'm not saying this leads... Uh, this falls on his shoulders. Uh, they've missed a million scoring opportunities and just haven't been playing very well. But in a shortened season where he hasn't had a lot of practice, I don't care if all the lines come out firing on all cylinders and everybody plays their ass off. I don't trust him in a shortened season like this. So I don't have my hopes up that high. They do look a little sloppy. The front line of uh, the, the, at least the pairing with... 
Bergeron and, and his group, it just seems odd. It just seems like something hasn't quite settled. They've kind of shifted that line around a little bit. Um, wide open scoring opportunities. There's been plenty of chances for his line to make moves, and they haven't marched uh, in. Basically, it's their line, and they kind of shift around the, the third. It just doesn't look good. I know, you know, with Pasenak on the line, they were both, I mean, all three of them were playing well in the latter portions of the games that they were in, but they're missing a lot of chances. They're missing a lot of opportunities where in previous seasons you knew going down the ice, like, oh, that's a goal. Now it's like, you didn't even get a shot off. You yeah. You missed the you missed the net by ten feet. So something just seems off. Uh, I know there was some speculation earlier uh, in the beginning of this week or last week because Bergeron wasn't in practice, uh, and that kind of got everybody wondering whether he got pulled from his line or what was going on. I know nothing really came of it, but um, it's a little concerning. Of all the Boston teams currently playing, that's the one team that seemed to be the most complete going into the season. And the fact that they just stumbled out of the gate, you don't know if that was sort of like, you know, the weird part about this season is everyone who was playing was basically in the playoffs. You were just fighting for your seed and knowing that you didn't have to really worry about missing the playoffs. You just had to worry about where you fell. You did cough up the number one seed, which is a, a weird move. Um, which tells me, I don't know if it was exactly planned, but I wonder if there was some load management knowing that it was going to be a grind once this all started. But it doesn't really separate it from a normal playoff season, so the fact that you would change your approach going into a shortened season where you didn't have to play 100 games before this doesn't make that math add up, but you never know. Maybe they thought some of these guys coming in weren't as conditioned, so let's load balance them a little bit and Hopefully, I mean, hopefully they figure it out. I mean, I see it, but the the thing I have to pay attention to the most is the fact that if there was any other team that lost three in a row, you would say they're slumping. There, there's got to be something. There, you know what I mean? And maybe in a weird way, you know, losing those three games back to back to back, um, and then having a couple of days to sort of regroup before maybe playing a game tonight, and then it being moved till you know Wednesday morning at eleven a.m. Like maybe those are the things that like are kind of what lights a fire under the ass of the team. Um, I would like to see it that way just because if you take a look at the teams that are still in the tournament, okay, you have the Blues, last year's Stanley Cup champion. Again, they're the four seed as well, but we know that they can go deep. Uh, the Flyers and the Vegas Golden Knights right now are the number one seeds. But really, the two the two are, are killing it right now. You got the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Avalanche. So the, the, those represent like four teams that you just don't want to run into on a bad day or when you're having a bad series. And if let's, let's just say in, I don't know, I don't even want to doom the team to this. Let's say the Bruins go best of seven and it has to go to game six or seven. You really want to go on and, and, and think that you're going to face a team possibly like the flyers, the lightning, the Knights or the avalanche. You think you want to face either the flyers, the lightning, the golden Knights, the avalanche, in one of those conference championships or the Stanley cup finals. And you think that the way that you're stumbling out of the block right now is, is going to get you there. I, I don't know. It just, it seems like it, think, in light of everything you have going on right now, it's just not good. I think the teams that we struggle with against the most who are 
actually, thankfully, playing against each other, the Canadians and the Lightning. Um, I mean, historically, I feel like the Canadians are sort of the the Dolphins to the Patriots in terms of the Bruins, that no matter what the season looks like, the Canadians are always someone we have a, you know, knockout, dragout fight with every time we play against them. Thankfully, you know, if the Canadians pass, they still have to get through the lightning in order for us to get there. Um, I'm not overly worried about the Capitals or the Islanders, to be honest. Uh, I think if we can make it past the Hurricanes, we stand a pretty good chance. Um, I think the game after that will be the, the big test, obviously, before we get to the, the, the championship. Um, a lot of good teams still in this, I'm going to call it a tournament, but in this little mini tournament. Um, but as far as, you know, on our side of the bracket, it's it's only those two teams that I'm overly concerned about. Um Lightning was the number two seed. Carried a little bit of momentum going into it. Um, I do got to say, though, watching a game, I think it was last year, between the Hurricanes and the Capitals, one thing that I think a lot of people underestimated underestimated about the Capitals is the fact that, like, they have moments of brilliance. When they have moments of brilliance, they're very, very tough to put down. You know, Oshie, um, obviously, Ovi, right? So, like, you have to pay attention to the fact that, like, Nothing is given to you now. You go ahead and stumble on those three games. That's cool. But now you're getting into the ring with people who want to fight, people who want to push your lines to the limit. And if your goal is not gonna not gonna stop the you know the onslaught of shots coming through, like you can only hope to win your way out of games by shooting more goals. I would say thirty percent of the time, forty percent of the time. It's, it's not a sustainable. You know, I will say the shot on. Uh, I will say tonight they showed a lot of promise. Uh, I know it was postponed until tomorrow, but uh, they put a lot, a lot of shots on goal. And I know the, the, the escaping me at the moment, but the uh, Hurricanes goalie set the record tonight for most saves in the game. Um, so tonight they made some moves. They got in, and I know they were taking a lot of shots. They looked great. Uh, they couldn't close it out which is obviously you take that over loss. Um, playoff structure is a little bit weird. I don't know why they didn't just play until the game was over. I think it was, they have to finish tomorrow at 11. Um, but it does show a little bit of promise. They went into it, you know, all tied and obviously went into the fifth overtime and shot a lot of shots. Uh Obviously, that's that's better than what's been happening. Um, and given the fact that you know he did set the record, that means a lot of those shots were on goal, which is also an improvement over the last few weeks. We'll see. I'm going to save my judgment for the next three games. We'll see how the next three games shape up, and I think that'll tell us sort of what the future lies. If they just stink up the next three games, there's there's literally no hope. And I'm not looking for a Cinderella story or any sort of like major comeback story. Um, but if they if they don't pull out a single win in the next two games, uh, even if they pull out uh, this series, there's no way I think they're making it to the end. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah it, it'll be different. And, and you did bring up there that there's a major difference this this season. So teams from both conferences will be reseeded after each round rather than division specific seeds, which happened in recent years. Round two is slated to start the 24th, the conference final September 8th, and the tentative Stanley Cup final uh, the 22nd. That's when it would start. It's completed no later than October 4th. So I, I have to hand the NHL a lot of props, right? 18,000 COVID tests. 
they put two bubble cities and they brought all the teams up there four games at set times daily with tweaks to include rest time for series going forward. There's a great piece from Emily Kaplan and Greg Wyshynski that outlined what the NHL has done so far, right? They, they started off by saying, look, we're going to have training camps in teams, home playing cities, sort of like what MLB wanted to do. Although we all remember how that went. Um, and families weren't going to be included in the bubble going forward. So they wanted their own players to have as much time at home with their loved ones as possible. And during the, the camps themselves, the, the players were tested regularly, but they also had the freedom to leave the rink and go to restaurants and interact with other people. And that was kind of surprising because in the final week of training camp, there were no positive confirmed tests, right? So they move into the bubble and everyone is given a 30 minute window for daily testing appointments, right? It's on their app. Um, they get a notification. They have to sign up or, you know, and go to a certain place get a form, answer some questions. And if, you know, a question comes back as possibly being an indicator for COVID, then, you know, they're not allowed to play. They're not allowed to practice. So they've taken a really, really serious look at trying to make sure that testing is effective. And when the players go in, I mean, there's like 12, 13 tables that are set up and they're broken down by, you know, letters of the alphabet. They go and they get their test done. They, they get results from that test in 24 hours. Some days they have tests in which it's the, you know, tickle your brain swab. And the other days it's the throat swab. I mean, they're, they're receiving around 1500 samples a day and 18,000 tests go by and not one positive, not even like one false positive has come out, which I'm sure there might've been, and maybe they took a follow-up test, but like, we really have to see what's going to happen in the final rounds competition when family members are permitted to enter the bubble, because I think that's where you're probably going to see some, but if we're being honest, you play three seeding games, you move 20 teams to two cities in Canada, a country that typically has decided to pay more attention and be a little more serious in their efforts. And look at where we are. We're getting hockey four times a day, most days out of the week. Why can't yeah, we do that? Why can't I, we have nice things, Tim? I, I need to know. I would love to like look in to see who's footing the bill for that because it is – by contrast, so we're going to have a lot of people who listen to this every now and again who aren't sports fans are listening to it because they happen to be family members of ours or friends of ours who are just supporting the cause. And they're going to appreciate this thought. Who the hell is paying for all of these tests in a quick turnaround, yet we can't seem to figure this out for, like, public school systems? And I agree. we're just like, hey, go for it. That's a whole nother conversation for another day. Um, it's just impressive how quickly sports franchises and their billions and billions of dollars are able to say, hey, you know what? We want this to happen. Here's our new testing protocol. It's also strange how majority of the players seem to buy into it because you have a lot of money riding on it, yet the general public can't seem to also say, oh, hold on, that's working? They haven't had any positives? Maybe we should consider doing the same thing. Instead, we're yeah. like, my freedoms, my yeah. American rights. I... That was a terrible accent, but you get the picture. Uh, it's almost like it's almost like you as a northerner were attempting to say that those are the people in the south that seem to be fighting for their rights to party. I mean, I'm just going off the Confederate flag. That's all. Look, look, y'all need it's to quit it with flag. that stuff up there. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, Maine is, to be honest, uh, both Sam and I are both from Maine. And if we've learned anything over the last few weeks, it's that people with the with too much time on their hand and the Internet are a complete detriment to everybody involved. Um, Including the two of us. Well, I mean, me mostly, who just, you know, like yes. to set firecrackers yeah. off on social media. Yeah. I mean, if if you look at what professional sports is attempting to do, because a lot of the people we know are sports fans who are, you know, barring the few that have decided to not watch the NFL or the NBA because of kneeling players, whatever, most of them are sports fans. How can you on one side say all of the COVID restrictions in our regular lives are a sham and then turn and look at professional sports who are a much stricter version of that. And they're having drastic amounts of success and say, Oh, that doesn't work. It's, it's the same concept. One of them is just a very, very much more stringent process. And the other one is just, Hey, can you do these few things to like, take care of yourself and your neighbors or whatnot? Um, I think it's fantastic. It's, my concern is going to be what happens after this year because the concern is going into flu season. This is only going to ramp up and get somewhat worse. You can't have players forever living in a bubble. Families yeah. are not going to accommodate the lives of their husbands or significant others living away from their house for the duration of preseason all the way through a regular season, the playoffs, and so on. That's if you're New England, you have to play on that side. Uh, and like <laughs> doing like small offsite visits isn't cutting the mustard. It's just not a. It, it's a band aid because a lot of these athletes are involved for most of the months out of the year. You have training camps leading up to preseason, and then you have the regular season. And with all sports, they have report to camp, practice, preseason, and so on. Eight months, let's say eight months out of the year, you're tied to whatever sport you're playing. And I get it. I get it. The argument's going to be you're making millions and millions of dollars. Shut up and do whatever you have to do. Or, you know, we saw that with the shut up and dribble and shut up and play basketball. But that's not, that's, that's not a plan that has any sort of longevity. Players are going to get burnt out living in a hotel room for eight months out of the year. It's just not sustainable. So I, I give kudos so while I give kudos to everybody involved right now, I'll wait until we go into next season before I give them the full round of applause. Because oh, it's a great... It's, yeah, it's, give, it's give fantastic. Give the kudos you're due, Tim. I, I am. 18,000 tests, Tim. I give kudos to the medical staff. We're going to get into some of the downfalls of medical staff a little bit later in this when we start talking college football. Spoiler alert. Um, I give kudos to... The medical staff, I give kudos to the players in these leagues who are really buckling down and understanding that in order to make this work, you really have to buy into this cause. I give kudos to the family of these players who are willing to accept being away from their family member for this long. There are lots of positives to all of this. At the end of the day, you got to wonder, like, what is it all for, especially when it comes to... NBA is doing a great job. NHL is doing a great job. We're yet to see what the NFL is going to learn from all of this. It's a very different sport. It's more similar to hockey, but as far as the proximity and the physical play, but they're not living in a bubble. They're kind of going about it in like micro bubbles where 
you're you're in the building for you know a couple days out of the week and then there's been no talk about what happens after that like do you go home do you are you free to do whatever and that takes a lot of players buying in and what we've already found is even players buying into some of these philosophies are still finding ways to kind of trickle out a bit a little bit we're seeing mlb players and starting pitchers starting pitchers wandering off and going out for nights in the town knowing that someone's gonna see you it's gonna happen and now you're in quarantine for like six to 14 days so it'll be interesting to see now a few weeks into it compared to two to three months into it when you're going you're literally going stir crazy they made a uh, uh, one of the ESPN shows over the weekend made a funny mockumentary where they went out and did a quote-unquote investigative journalism report to see if the fish everyone was catching was the same fish or not. Because was, that, um, was it the one with Bomani? Uh, no, I think this was the jump. Mm. Um. And they went out, you know, the the whole crew went out, and they did this whole thing where they were going to see if the same, if the everyone's from within the NBA bubble is posting pictures of catching fish. And the thought was, are they just catching the same <laughs> fish over and over again? Oh, uh, catch and release, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, spoiler alert: in case you haven't seen it, no, they're not. But they are stocking that lake with fish for them to catch, so it's something for them to do. But. The joy of fishing, for example, I did catch a pretty sweet bass this weekend. By the way, I saw it. I saw it on the, uh, on the socials. Yeah, it's it's online, so that means it's real. Um, but some of the draw of fishing, for example, is the chase. It's some days you get it, some days you don't. You catch a fish every single day. After like the second month, like there's no fun in that anymore. Once you go down to the arcade and you play every single game that's there. Like, what's the fun in that? So, I'll well, be that curious. Depends. Do you have the high score in all these games? I mean, that's, you know what I mean? Like, I, I hear what you're I, saying. Yeah. I'll be but, curious to see the longevity and the toll it takes on the mental state of a lot of these guys who are, you're, you're literally like in a, a compound for several months. But they seem to be they, living in the compound of O Canada pretty well and handling no COVID tests. And I'm sure they're going out there and crushing Molson Goldens and Canadian triple X's in between these games. So yeah. I think, I think they'll be just fine, but you do bring up a good point, which we'll hit on later. Uh, quarantines probably do have some sort of, some sort of end in sight, right? Uh, we'll go ahead yeah. and finish it up here. I have to mention this, I guess the Rangers won the draft lottery. They're going to pick first. Ooh, good for Rangers are going to Ranger. It's fine. But New it's York just, is going to New York. <laughs> That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. You say that, but then Boston is, boston in right now it's well like, i mean it's like we fell asleep at our own tea party outside the yankees uh the rest of the new york teams are just kind of you know new york in it all over the place uh jets giants mets if you hear this you know tweet at the stat, at stats podcast and let's we'll give Tim yeah. something to talk about all right moving on uh the nba you know they got basketball in a bubble and i gotta admit it's pretty great okay uh, mm -hmm. In the East, obviously, the Bucks are the true number one seed, which we knew they were going to be anyways. And in the West, the Lakers are the number one seed because everyone else is on load management. Now, the Celtics' last couple of games have sort of been interesting, right? Uh, mm -hmm. They lost to the Bucks by seven on opening day. They got dubs against the Raptors in the net. Uh, they scored 122 points in their last three games. They went to OT in one game. 
Um, they actually pretty much firebombed the Nets because they dropped 149 in regulation, which was the Nets. A stat. Yeah, I know, right? There's an asterisk next to it, right? But it's a high-scoring affair in which Tatum and Brown combined just the two of them for 45 points off three. So that looks good. Now, the digital crowds, I'm sure you've seen them. Uh, they do look really mm-hmm. weird, but they are welcome. And it's kind of funny when you see fans leave the game early. <laughs> because, this because is a chair. It's... <laughs> a chair in someone's house. Did you see Paul Pierce on the screen? He was hilarious. No, I missed it. Yeah, it was pretty good. And then uh, shout out to Chris Cody. Um, guys like the Stu Gatz and, and the Dan Levitard show, some of them were on there as well. Uh, Pablo Torre, those guys. So, How do we get on that? Guys, if you're listening to this, yeah. let us know. I'll do all the IT needs of anybody who needs <laughs> to get me on that because we just need Sam and I on there for like five minutes. That's it. Five, five minutes, minutes, yeah. Make, make some faces. Um, I don't know if you know this, but the most interesting team in the bubble, right? Like Dozekis has the most interesting man in the world. Um, the Phoenix Suns are 7-0 and in the bubble. Now, mm. again, they got their seventh win today against the Bucs, who pretty much sat most of their team anyways. Or was it 76 or one of the two? But uh, that, that's crazy. I mean, they're fighting hard for the eighth playoff spot. And I know when we recorded a, you know, an episode or two ago, I said, well, you know, what's the point of eight seeding games? Because pretty much if you don't win half of them, you're, you're not going to make up the difference. Well, the Suns heard that, maybe. And they just decided to say, no, you know what? We're going to go ahead and, and lay waste to this. So they are fighting super hard for that, that playoff spot. And Booker is just playing out of his mind right now. And if you're a Phoenix Suns fan, this is exactly what you want to see. Uh, I mean, if you're a fan of basketball, like you, you, every time a team goes undefeated, right? No matter if it's baseball, soccer, uh, football, whatever it is, you, you just kind of think, all right, cool. It has to stop at some point because t- teams will adjust their, their plans. They'll look at film. They'll figure out ways to kind of pick you apart. And either the seven teams that the Suns have faced have not come, have not done any of that, or they're just not capable of doing that. So that, that means that the Suns could be in line for a massive upset. I think they were like, what, 120 to one to make the playoffs mm-hmm. like before this whole thing started. So like, yeah, that's crazy. The Suns were literally on nobody's radar. And if you say they were, you're a liar. You are literally a liar. Um, and that's even coming from someone who's like a casual NBA fan. Um, I still pay attention enough to know that nobody talked about the Suns. I think it just goes to show the unpredictability, 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 the lack of ability <laughs> to to predict what's going to go on in some of these shortened seasons. Um, there's a lot of things you got to go up against. The abundance of rest, you know, a lot of guys coming in out of shape. Some guys getting a lot of extra practice, but at the end of it, it's all just sort of like unknown, right? Like the the Celtics are are doing well enough, but that's a team that you sort of expected to do to do well. I think what we're going to end up seeing at the end of all this is, you know, maybe all this conversation about load balance and load management. Maybe there's some some semblance of reality to it but i think what you're going to also see is a lot of teams that may have been struggling leading into this season who had some extra time to maybe their guys studied some more playbooks maybe their guys studied some more video of other guys some guys may have worked out more some guys may have perfected their game a little bit i think this season is going to prove a lot of really 
unexpected results. Like there are some. Like Luca is still dominating the league with the Mavs. I mean, he's literally just running house on everybody in the league. Uh, but I think on the, the the flip side of that is you're going to see a lot of these teams who may have come in sort of with questionable outlooks who had some extra time off. Very different than what we expected because you didn't just go from the chaos of a season and the off season, the drama, and then the chaos of another season. You had several months to kind of pull everything together, figure some of your stuff out by whatever means necessary. Uh, and I think I think they might be a team that kind of the first of those teams that really show it. I think if they can keep it up through half. The, you know, the halfway mark of the season, they become a real sort of part of the conversation. I think some of it's also, you know, some of the better teams kind of putting themselves back in gameplay mode and, and sort of hitting the high gear. You have some teams maybe taking advantage of some of that slippage a little bit. If you have mediocre teams going against teams in their prime, it's obviously a very different outlook. But if you have a mediocre team against a bunch of teams that are in mediocre, you know, season play, then I think you're going to see a little bit more of this. But they, they could be interesting to watch, I think. Um, long term, I don't see it holding up. I think as the weeks wear on, good players are just going to continue to get better. I mean, the Nets are without their – basically, they're starting five anyway. You have Durant just – busy trolling everybody or just being weird on the internet in general so uh the Nets season i think is just a total wash but when you start seeing you know the laker you know the, the big teams every every season who aren't just dominating like they're going to i think by like week six week seven when they're all back in like mid-season form you'll start seeing teams like the suns you know start fading back into the I don't get this. I don't get this, and I'm not here for it. If if the Phoenix Suns were an NCAA Cinderella story, you'd be eating this up. But because they're in the bubble, and because they only went seven and zero, which oh, let me check, no other team's done. Um, it's not cool enough. Come on, Tim. Get nah, you got- it's great. I I love I love the idea. I mean, if in, I'm sure you love the idea. If in if in a month we're still talking about them, you know, steamrolling. I mean, don't get me wrong. When I was younger, the Suns were it. Like they were. We we talked about them quite a bit, mm. but if, if we're talking about them in a, in a month or two and they're still steamrolling, yeah, I will absolutely be here for it. I'll be you know rooting them along. Like, like I said, I'm a, I'm a casual NBA fan, so while I like the Celtics because I've you know hometown team, I've watched a ton of them. Uh, I you know. I tend to pay attention to the Mavericks because Luca kind of came out of nowhere. Like I, I do like that kind of story. Um, I just don't have the highest confidence that it's the current. I don't think it's the reality of the situation. I think it's just sort of circumstance. It kind of shows you how many players really took extra time off in the off season. So you have, you know, like Tatum came out and bombed like bad in the start of the season. He's kind of rallied a little bit. I know everyone keeps making jokes that I'm sure everyone's seen the meme. This is like fresh cut and they show his scoring difference between the two of them. Um, <laughs> I think it just, I think it just goes to show a little bit how out of shape most of the league is where 
it's kind of like an even playing field across the board. But I think good players, good teams are going to continue to get drastically better week after week. And I think what we look at now as the picture is going to be drastically different than what we see maybe week six. I just think it's going to be – it won't even be the same – won't be the same leaderboard, obviously, but I don't even think it's going to be the same landscape as far as the NBA goes, barring injuries, obviously. But which we know can happen. But hey, it's Phoenix. If you're listening, don't listen to Tim. I know. Don't, don't listen, listen to, to Tim. Don't listen to Tim. All right. Good for you. You know what? Good for you. We need more good. Oh, good don't even, for you guys. Don't, don't even do good that. You, you might as well. If if that's the case, if you're saying, "Oh, good for you guys," you might as well pat him on the head and call him sport. That's that's if, not if, a very good they, idea. At all. I tell you what. If by week, how many weeks are they playing overall? 12 weeks i mean until the bubble breaks right <laughs> yeah yeah let's say halfway through the season if they have a winning record i'll buy a jersey i'll buy a jersey i won't hop on the bandwagon but i'll show some support i'll get a jersey uh, yeah all a right. t-shirt at the least we'll get all right. something all right all right all right all right Okay. I'll wear it. I'll wear it during a broadcast, much like I'm wearing just for you this QB to QB with Russell Wilson. It, was it literally says good. Russell Wilson on my shirt, and I wore it just for Sam. Yeah, well, I mean, you probably wore it for Russell Wilson. He's one of the most ripped dudes in the league right now. I don't know if you saw Twitter, but you know, and I he was number two on the players because, list. I wore it because it's 85 degrees in the room I'm sitting in. It's a driver's <laughs> shirt. <laughs> he, but also all, for you. all of his shirts that are like moisture wicking because I, I volunteered at a couple of his passing academies in Washington yeah. State. All of those Nike dry fit shirts are they're primo. They're so on point. So I, I I got it. You know, I might even I might even rock one of those the next time we do this. All right, moving on. Let's get out of here. Yeah. We got we gotta talk about this thing. College football on Tuesday hold at on, a Monday. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold hold on. on Before hold we on, get on, into on. this. Before we get into this, I've had something that's literally been bothering me since we started this podcast. And I've been meaning to bring it up, and I have to call some people out for this. <laughs> have you seen down to Earth with Zac Efron on Netflix yet? No, you have not. Oh yeah, okay. oh, no, yeah, actually I have. Yeah, where he's like he, you know, he's going around to like that place in was it like uh, Greenland when he's been making his own chocolate and he had the water sommelier yeah. that yeah, he was yeah, like, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Have you seen the memes online and and women or anybody basically drooling over his quote unquote? man pod i mean he's he's so, a ripped dude anyways like i'm so, never gonna no, no. be that no no i just need to clear something up here on this podcast on the first episode when they were in iceland there comes a point where he unrobes to get into an ice bath and you see his body in a different shape than what it was during the baywatch uh movie that he filmed yeah which i still haven't seen that movie but i've seen pictures of it and that's I mean, unreal he, he I was in the movie with the rock he had to be ripped to be next to the rock oh yeah he said that was miserable and that he would never do that again i just need to point something out for all of our current listeners that is what you saw there what you saw when he took that robe off was not a dad bod not even in the <laughs> slightest way and what you're doing is you're setting us dads up for failure completely 
Nope. That is that is not a dad nope. bod. That no. is a man who is in phenomenal shape that decided that he, he might like, like a couple carbs. <laughs> yeah. He might like a couple carbs every now and again because he said during another episode, he's like, oh, my God, I'm so happy to be eating carbs right now. He went like eight months without eating a single carb. Folks of the world, that is not a dad bod. Can you imagine it, if we if we change the name of this podcast and dad bods don't matter? No, we would take well, so much. This, so the the problem is there's a weird movement. I, I call it weird. It's flattering for me as a father, but there's a movement also where there's a lot of women who are posting and talking about support for dad bods. They think they're somehow attractive, and I I've seen studies done that they tend to be you know shout out to all of us dads. Um, dad bods quote unquote tend to be more loyal and more understanding and more receptive <laughs> uh than guys who are absolutely ripped right i i, I won't argue whether that's right or wrong i'm just saying it's, it's what, what empirical evidence do you have to support this <laughs> yeah i there there are you can read articles about them it's it's fine but what i have to tell you what we have to clear up right now on this podcast zach efron in his current shape is about as far from a dad bod as you could possibly get. If you want to see dad pod, come to my Instagram. Uh, oh, look at, at you. Timmy underscore Cronin. Thirst I'll trap show over you, here. I'll get show here you the dad bod. Uh, it's a little bit softer. It's a little bit rounder. Uh, oh, listen, listen. Yeah. Listen, it's Linda, not, listen. It's not we, awesome. we are, no, it's we are not stopping awesome. this right now. We are stopping. <laughs> I, I see we, you hijacked this thing here, and we're, well, I'm taking it back. I'm taking the reins. We're talking about college football, not your dad bod. I just had to get, I just had to get out of the way. It was, it, was, it was killing me. It was eating me alive. I couldn't go outside knowing that that's what people thought was a dad bod, and here I am looking like the State Puff Marshmallow Man just roaming around a little bit, the Michelin Man. I'm like, no. So you, you couldn't handle the fact that you could go outside, but you wouldn't embody what they thought the dad bod was. But yeah, that's okay, Tim. Complain about what a standard for body images are for men. Yeah, it's not like not like women have ever had to deal with anything like that, right? Ooh. I know. Anyways. I know. Anyways. This, is, this is reverse dad bodism. Yeah, this is. <laughs> listen. Listen, Linda, listen. We're getting back on, on the track here. Tim, our favorite mm. segment of the show, What's in My Cup? I mean, if the show wasn't named Stats Don't Matter, it'd be like, you know calories don't matter because obviously all these beers we drink have a lot of calories but i I gotta give a shout out all right the beer store dropped a nice care package of some delicious beers from trim tab brewing company that's from birmingham alabama uh it's a fast rising uh brewery that's kind of in the beer consciousness right now and their mantra is we believe that the small things matter and that they are responsible for the big impacts we want to see in our lives that is our message and craft beer is our bullhorn now it's a 10 under the radar craft breweries to watch in 2019 from forbes and if you have ever had any of Trim Tabs, Hazy IPAs, they're a true thing of Southern beauty, but they are pushing the limits with a traditional envelope for sours. Now, the majority of their sours clock in at over 7%. I got this sour ale here from Trim Tab called Martin Denny, and it's an imperial sour with peach and passion fruit. Clocks in at 7, 5, 7.5%. So I'm going to strap in for this puppy. And I got to give a shout out. Congratulations to the beer store for graduating from the University of Alabama. Roll Tide. In the engineering field. Cheers. Cheers, sir. Uh, today I got a pretty interesting one. 
uh, I've been on sort of the IPA kick, but like everybody else, I tend to get a little burned out from IPAs and little palate crushers. Uh, I'm drinking a Hoof-Hearted Brewing Fitness Freak. It's an imperial stout. Uh, it's brewed with coffee, vanilla, maple syrup. Comes at a clean 14%. Woo! Uh, woo! It's a big boy. Um, this one's a little interesting because Hoof-Hearted is actually not in Connecticut. I know we talk drink local, drink local. Um, it, it's from Marengo, Ohio. However, there is a place in New Haven, Connecticut called the 12% Beer Project that does a lot of uh, brewing, canning, and redistribution for a lot of breweries uh, all over the country. This is actually one of them. So even though this is technically from a brewery, not in Connecticut. It is, however, brewed and canned by a brewery here in Connecticut in New Haven. Uh, it's called the 12% Beer Project, and they do a lot of good work. Uh, they have their hands in a lot of different things, but this bad Johnny is delicious. They even have a fancy stout glass for it. Oh, snap. Proper glassware. It's important. Proper glassware. Uh, this glass is not from... Uh, Hoof-hearted. It's actually from Angry Chair, and if you are from anywhere near and or around Florida, you are doing yourself a drastic disservice by not seeking out Angry Chair. This is an angry. This isn't an Angry Chair podcast at the moment. This is about <laughs> hoof-hearted. Um, but first, let me let me sample this bad boy. All right. It looks like velvety thick. I know the listeners can't see it, but Ooh. it looks like motor oil. Which I assume at 14%. Yeah, it gives a nice coating. It's a very slick, sort of silky smooth mouthfeel. You don't really know it's the 14%. We're going to have to institute this. Uh, A listener of the podcast, shout out Jared Martin, uh, gave us the idea. So everybody knows Barstool Sports, how they give their pizza ratings, right? So what we need to do is come up with a board where we put the beers on the board above and below other beers. Ah, kind of like, like Top idea. Gear, where they have the lap times? Exactly. That's specifically mm. what he had said. Uh, and oh, I think wow. that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, I only related it to Barstool, because I'm sure more of our listeners have watched Barstools and Top Gear. Otherwise, Top Gear would still be on broadcast television. Um, Rest in peace, Top Gear. The old Top Gear. This is a new American Top Gear. I'm not not a fan of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we have to work out some some kinks in that system, how we separate beers, or if we just go, doesn't matter, straight up here, where we put them on our list of all-time beers. Um, I got to say, this one's up there. This one is... I'm a big stout guy. I drink a lot of IPAs just because I live in New England, and IPAs are everywhere, but... I'm a big stout guy. Like of the beers I have around my house, usually there's a couple stouts. A lot of the bourbon counties are living downstairs. Anger Chair, which I was just on my high horse about, uh, find it. However, you need to get it. Um, anybody who says any other beer, any other stout from Florida is better is a liar and or has not actually tried it before. <laughs> Florida, uh, it's it's bizarre. Here we go. It's, yeah, it's bizarre that Florida, and as hot and sweaty as that, and just weird as Florida is, uh, should be known for their stouts. You have Cycle Brewing, you have Jay Weekfield, and then you have Angry Chair. Uh, 
angry chair puts out consistently the best outs I've ever had in my entire life. And I've had Jay Wakefield. I've had Cycle. I've had stouts from all over the country. This one's, this one's up there, but it's not angry chair. This one's phenomenal. So shout out to Hufarted. Made a valiant effort. Uh, what's your... What, Sam, what's your rating? Oh, on the, uh, on the on the Denny Martin complex, mm-hmm. it's a peach and passion fruit. I gotta tell you, from from the top, all I taste is is peaches, and it's like super good. There's a lot of like peach beers that are just like really tangy and like over the top, but like I love the sour beers that are fruit flavored that just like kind of really kind of just just they just put it, they sit on your palate. I don't really know how to describe it. Um, I'm gonna give this one a, a four point two five out of five. It is really good thirst quenching it is very very good um but then again i'm not really a big like sour fan you know what i mean so like i, I could definitely probably i could pop it up i could maybe give it a four three we're talking about uh, 40 times for craft beer yeah so i'm <laughs> the a the better so i'm a big stout guy so i feel like i gotta be a little bit more stingy on this one but i gotta tell you looking at the 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 stout rings in that glass you keep gulping at that 14 percent, and this thing isn't going to get produced and put out until like next wednesday yeah this is true um yeah uh honestly it is one of the better ones i've had i'd put it uh it's definitely over four i'd say like a four ten. Oh, all 410 so if you ever get bench- a chance yeah, my benchmark ahead. just so that everybody knows my as close to five as you can get. I feel like you can never give a five because that means there's nothing better. I'm going to go with the, eh, the high school teacher different. approach. Yeah. Well, no, because then like a year from now, there's going to be something better. And now that your whole scale sort off. So, or you just give another beer five. It's not the end of the world. No, because then if you have a bunch of fives and some are better than others, you have no rating system. I hope you never give your child uh, you're the best son ever because he can never be the best son ever by the, by the rating. You just gave those beers. I mean, at my current uh, trajectory, he might be the only son ever. So, <laughs> uh, I'll give this one a four ten. Four four score. one zero. Oh. All right, all right. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. I would buy this anytime I saw it on the shelf. My closest to five from the stout world I could possibly get is Simple Math from Angry Chair. If you can get it, it is a straight up stout. Uh, nothing fancy. It's not aged or anything. So smooth, tastes almost like chocolate milk. I got a crowler of it, and opened it at a buddy's house to share it. And from the first sip, I immediately regretted the decision to bring it and share it anywhere. I immediately got the FOMO, even though I had up my own glass of it. I had the complete FOMO that I was going to miss out on the entire other half of the can. So, simple math, angry chair. Closest to a five. I'll give it a five. Whatever. It's a five. There you go. There you go. But, I mean, uh, Hoof Hearted might have a couple questions about how this was the What's in My Cup podcast. I mean, segment of the podcast. And just gave all that free ad to Angry Chair. But this is, I'll go ahead. This is a podcast for the people. Podcast by the for people. the people. <laughs> Power of the people. I got to be honest. Uh, Hoof Hearted. Yeah. Amazing beer. I love this beer. It's much easier for me to get than uh, Angry Chair. So I will buy this 100 more times before I get another uh, crowler of Simple Math. So shout out to you. Um, there, There's a but, beer that uh hoof hearted makes that 
is a, I think it's a golden ale that has uh, Vietnamese like, or Tahitian like vanilla that's in it. Oh my God. It's like a, it's like one of those like clear coffee beers. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. It, if, if it's any. Hoof makes a lot of really good beers too. They do. If it's any answer to. Another good brewery answer. Um, but no, it, literally, if it's any, if, if this speaks to any level of what I think of this beer, well, from the time I started talking until now, I've already finished half the can of a 14% beer. So, well, shout out Hoofhearted. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys and gals, listeners to the Stats podcast, that does it. Episode 10 and 11, boom, 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 they're in the books. Now, we've been talking about interviews you're coming up, and Tim, we got some interviews coming up. And I'm really excited. Don't spoil it. Mm-hmm, you got to mm-hmm. listen to the podcast. Thanks to everyone that's continued to support us. Uh, we hope that we're giving you guys the content you're, that you're seeking. Sports are coming back. So, you know, hopefully we don't have too many more of these blowups with uh, COVID. But COVID is going to COVID. So I think that's 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 probably going to happen. But Hard Knocks came back tonight, right? I mean, by the time you you hear this, it should, it, you know, should already be out. So Lee Schreiber, 14th season of Hard Knocks. This this year it's the Los Angeles teams. I'm not really a fan of it, but I'm gonna watch it because it's it's two teams this year, right? Huh? It's two teams this year, right? Yeah, the Rams and the Chargers. Yep. 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 Imagine that. You got two teams in Los Angeles and you want to split time between both of them. Whoa, we're out of time. Here we go. Thanks, guys. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Thank you.